Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Stein Jr. And welcome to season 11 of the Raise Your Game Show. In this season, I sit down with a fascinating group of ex-athletes from a variety of team sports to learn the most valuable skills and impactful lessons they developed on the court, field, ice, and sand. And more importantly, how they apply what they've learned to every other area of their life. Joining me today is Tri Bourne, an AVP and FIB professional beach volleyball player who represented the USA in the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games. In addition to being one of the top beach volleyball players on the planet, he is also the host of volleyball's most listened to podcast, Sandcast. For more on Tri and his amazing career, check out triborn.net and follow him on Instagram at triborn. Before we dive in, I'm thrilled to announce that my new book, Sustain Your Game, High Performance Keys to Manage Stress, Avoid Stagnation and Beat Burnout is now available for pre-order and will launch worldwide on April 12th. 2022. Check out sustainyourgamebook.com for more information. And now on to today's conversation. So try, I've really been looking forward to this conversation. And, and one of the things that will make this discussion a little bit different than everyone else this season is you're the only current athlete that I've been interviewing. Uh, everybody else is a former athlete and they've been talking about how everything they learned through sport is helping them in business and, and their lives now. So I think you'll offer a really unique perspective. Um, but I do know that you had a, a slight hiatus when you were having some health issues where you actually had to get off the sand for a couple of years. So let's take a closer look at that and, and maybe some of the traits and things you've learned as an athlete growing up and how they helped you get through that time and how they help you in every other area of your life now as, as a husband, as a father, and with all the other things you have going on. When I look back like on my, my history on this planet, I think a, a lot of um, who I am today comes from just my environment community and my family. Being born and raised in Hawaii, you naturally gain a certain personality. It's, it's one of those communities within the U.S. I know there's a few, but um, it's rare where you have really tight-knit communities that are small and have their own real rich culture. I feel like that's somewhat uh, rare nowadays. Mm. Um, and Hawaii is certainly uh, one of those communities. Just being raised there, and, and even as a Caucasian guy out in Hawaii, uh, it's kind of opposite of what it would be on the mainland, you know, where where uh, the minorities are flipped a little bit. Um, so I just learned a lot of respect and understanding that, you know, I'm born and raised there, but I'm also uh, somewhat a guest when, uh, when you look at the history and, and lineages and bloodlines and whatnot. And, and I, I think it was just like a humble upbringing. And then on top of that, being raised by uh, two individuals, my mom and dad, who are, they moved out to Hawaii just for the love of it, but but they were they fell in love with sports, uh, both PE teachers at times, athletic directors, and my dad's a history teacher as well, but they're both like ultra distance athletes. Like that was their love of when I was growing up. So I grew up in a gym in, or in a garage, you know, like playing it like a kid with full like weight room, PE office, and like, you know, bikes and seeing my parents just like hammer themselves and push themselves to limits just for the love of it. Like they're not professional athletes at all. Um, so when I look back, I'm like, okay, that definitely had an impact on me. And now that I do get to do this stuff that I love to do, um, 
I know how to put in the work and I, and I understand that it takes sacrifice. And so when that stuff comes up, the sacrifices and the hard hardships, I'm like, okay, it's, I know that this is part of it and I just kind of accept it and go through it. Um, whereas I think people that maybe aren't used to it taking avoided avoidance approach. For sure. I mean, you had that modeled for you at such a young age. Uh, I love the fact that they modeled for you to, to follow your passion and do something you love, whatever that may be. And that, sacrifice and adversity is part of what you sign up for. You know, I I certainly know with, uh, I've never done a triathlon myself, but have so much respect for for how grueling of an undertaking that is. Talk a little bit more about your childhood. Did you play a variety of different sports? Did you ever go down kind of the endurance path and try some of the endurance sports like your parents? Uh, Not really, actually. We, uh, us kids, I think we saw them suffering through all that. And we're just like, oh, I think we're good. You know, I do canoe paddling and, and I've done distance stuff, um, but I definitely uh, one of my my sisters and I actually all played ball sports. One sister was soccer. Uh, another one was water polo. So she was like a ocean water athlete. Yep. Uh, other one was really good at soccer. And then I was pretty much everything. Uh, and it wasn't volleyball. It wasn't just one sport at all. It was literally every sport, you know, canoe racing, sailing, basketball, football, Volleyball it just happened to be because I grew up at this outer canoe club where mm-hmm. my mom uh, paddled for the club and um, there's volleyball courts on the roof. And it just so happens to be that it's one of the most volleyball rich environments literally in the world. So all the, you know, parents and the people on this court who are mentoring me and my aunties and uncles, we call them in Hawaii, right? They, they're some of the best volleyball teachers in the world. So it, it kind of just both worlds came together for me. And, and then eventually I, I was like, I just, volleyball is my sport. You know, I quit soccer and all that. And I was like, this is, this is the one for me. I'm enjoying it the most and I um, feel, feel like I'm excelling at it. So you're kind of paddling along in a canoe and see out of the corner of your eyes some people over here peppering and hitting a ball over a net. And you just start to kind of watch that. And next thing you know, you're on the court and you're playing and folks are mentoring you and fast forward. Now you're, you're an Olympian. Yeah, uh, yeah, something, something like that. It's basically a beach club there called the Outrigger, and it was like my daycare. Parents just drop you off, and there's like you know organized canoe paddling and all that. And it was just like these are all my friends. We're all in one place. Let's just uh, let's just play all day long. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. Well, well, you're one of the you know you were able to make a transition from from playing indoor and playing on a court and mm-hmm. so forth. To, to be able to do that on the beach um, to novices like myself, where both games kind of look vaguely similar. Wh- yeah. What are the biggest differences or what's the biggest adjustment that you had to make, you know, especially from a career standpoint, going from indoor to then making your living on the beach? It's very different. For example, there's, there hasn't been that many players that were really successful or easily made that transition. Um, right. it, it's rare. And, and if someone does make that transition, like myself or uh, Taylor Crab, the starting outside hitter on the U.S. national team is now transferring to beach. But we've all had experience playing beach growing up. So when we switch over, we know we're playing a different sport, basically. You're not bringing your indoor game out to the beach. That's the funniest thing when the guys, they're like, oh, I'm a great indoor player. And they come out to the beach and they try to play that game. And we're just like, it does not work, dude. You got to relearn the sport uh, or, or learn beach from a, neutral uh perspective to get it uh and and i think the biggest uh, differences are ball control and all-around game whereas Mm -hmm. 
So on the beach, you have to know every skill, have every skill, understand the game. You have to kind of be the coach, the player, uh, your own trainer, all that kind of stuff. Whereas indoors, you have the coach, you have your starting six, you have a bench. Mm -hmm. So you can get subbed in and out. If, if something's going wrong, they can pull you. Someone else is there to help. You also specialize. So it's a high power game. You only play middle blocker. You only play outside here. You only play setter. Uh, whereas on the beach, you have to do all the skills. And that's what I love about it. Cause I, I, I have a lot of confidence in all of my skills. So when I played indoor, I didn't feel like I was succeeding uh, as well as I should be because of, I felt like my game was such, I could play at such a high level, but it didn't really um, feed into my, my advantage, I guess, you know, which was my ability to play every position and do everything. For sure. And, you know, having had the opportunity to see you play uh, this past summer, that was one of the first things I noticed about you and what everybody else said um, was that you, you don't really have a weakness in your game. You can do all of these things equally well. So I think that's fascinating that uh, I guess beach better suits you and your your multitude of skill sets. What if, if you had to narrow down kind of a trait that that allows you to be such an exceptional athlete? What, what is it? What, what, what is it that allows you to perform at that level? It doesn't have to be a singular trait. Maybe it's a couple of different things. I have a confidence, not just confidence, but a confidence in my ability to adapt and learn. Um, and I think that kind of is feeding into, I mean, you look back at my childhood playing so many different sports and so many different surfaces and, you know, racing, versus ball sports versus, you know, whatever it might be, I've noticed over time that, that I can adapt. I have the ability to adapt if I just allow myself to. And I think if you don't have that experience of adapting and becoming successful at new things, then you, you kind of close yourself off to, to um, that cap capability or that possibility. And I, I feel like, um, you know, kind of going back to my main skill that I've always felt is, is best for me is I can do everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of trying to cater my team and everything towards my ability to do that and, and make that my advantage on the court. Um, but it comes from a mindset and I guess, which comes from experience, you know, just yep. doing things like putting myself in challenging situations and then overcoming it. And then I'm like, Whoa, I can't believe I pulled that off. I didn't think, I didn't really think I could pull it off, but I went for it and I did. And then I do that again. And I do that, you know, like going to USC. I went to a high school with 20 kids I graduated with up on the hill in Hawaii. I don't, I don't think anyone had gone to a, a USC from there. Somehow I got in, you know, because I was good at volleyball. And then I was like, I don't know if I can graduate, but sure, I'll go. And four years later, I graduated. And I, it was like shocking. If I can do that, maybe I can play pro. And then I go play pro. And I was kind of successful. At that. I was like, well, if I can do that you know, then maybe I can do this. And now I'm an Olympian all of a sudden. So now I'm thinking, well, if I can go to the Olympics, why not win it? Right. So it's just kind of like that progression of, of confidence, I guess. For sure. And I love how your confidence is built on a courage and an openness to try different things. And, and it's so refreshing, especially in a world that we live in now where everyone, especially in youth sports is so focused on early sports specialization. And that by eight years old, you need to figure out what is your sport so you can focus on that. I love the fact that you were able to do a variety of different things, try a lot of different things 
and you've still been able to ascend to the top of your craft and be the best in the world at what you do. I think that's, yeah, an unbelievable example. Going back to in Hawaii, when, when you first started to fall in love with the game, and as you said, your aunties and uncles were teaching yeah. you the game. What were some of the lessons and things they taught you aside from, from volleyball specific technique, of course, but what were some of the things they implanted in you, you know, at that young age that you think has served you well as an athlete? Fundamentals and um, ball control. Mm-hmm. Uh, we being from Hawaii, you know, we didn't know who was on the mainland. We didn't even know how good we were at volleyball, but we did have really great coaches out there. And there's a Hawaiian style uh, of volleyball, which is, a well-rounded game and it's ball control. Like you, if you see players come out of Hawaii, they know how to pass and set and do the fundamentals. And when I look back on my, you know, we're, we're some of the best blockers, hitters and all that too. But when I look back on my childhood and being coached, it was all, it was all fundamental. They didn't mention blocking once, you know, like it's like a basketball coach, never, never even mentioning dunking or anything like that or any of the flashy stuff, maybe not even like launching deep threes. It was all the fundamental, like do it perfect from here and then you can step back and then you can step back kind of thing. So practices were kind of, you know, routine, I guess like that, where it was really simple, but, but we gained an eye for ourselves, like the smallest little adjustment. We started getting fascinated with just, you know, like tweaking our platform a little bit or like, Mm-hmm. These things that, that kids are usually not worried about, they're usually worried about bouncing balls and making it look cool and, and blocking. And our coaches never mentioned that. And that's something I'm super grateful for. It's like, if I ever coach a kid, a middle blocker, middle blockers tend to specialize. They're, they're, they're the big ones, like a center in basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, pass and set. Like, I'm not going to be doing that. I'm like, no, do it. That's what's going to separate you from the rest of them uh, is, is that when you get to the higher levels, this, these big guys can pass and set. And now, I mean, compare again to basketball. Look at the Jokic and all these big guys that have the best passing and all that. They're the ones winning MVPs. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, when you look at the European basketball model, it sounds very similar to the Hawaiian volleyball model, which is uh, we want every player to have a, a multi a uh, faceted approach to developing all of the skills, regardless of your size or athleticism, you need to be able to do everything and you need to continue to focus on the fundamentals. So let's not worry about the flash and the sexiness. Let's not even worry about necessarily playing in competition. Let's master the basics. And, and, you know, European and international basketball has been doing that for 20 to 30 years now, which is why they're able to produce some of the best players in the league who are incredibly fundamentally sound even though they might not have some of the uh, natural born athleticism, maybe as some of the other uh, American born players. You know, it's funny is, uh, well, I'm seeing like the the book behind you too, and what we're talking about. And we actually, uh, a buddy of mine who I have my podcast with, which you were on Travis uh, on the Sandcast, we wrote a book, a a children's book. It's kind of elementary level reading, but it's based on this outrigger canoe club where I grew up and the lessons that we learned growing up there so it's it's pretty cool we're actually kind of like a lot of the stuff we're talking about we kind of implemented into this book about these kids growing up at this club and learning lessons from aunties and uncles and the fundamentals and the things that matter and dealing with the pressures and it's just like so important you know even at this level that I've gotten to I'm looking back that's the that's the big stuff it's not the winning these tournaments here and now I would never be here if it wasn't for the fundamentals and the and the people that helped me get here when I was younger. 
For sure. Well, man, keep spreading that message message and sharing that because I can only imagine how many young players now who idolize you and look up to you and say, hey, I want to be just like Try. And for you to be able to share with them that the path to getting to where you are is rooted in fundamentals, is rooted in the basics, is rooted in trying a variety of different things that you you don't only have to be a volleyball player. You can do lots of different things and still be an exceptional volleyball player. Yeah, I, I think that's a message that unfortunately, especially here in the continental United States gets, just gets blurred so quickly. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting for me, like thinking of it almost backwards, like towards the end of my career and like when I maybe retire, I'm going to go back to playing all the sports. Like I still love sports and, but I'm not going to be just a volleyball player. I, I earned my way to get here to focus on this. Now I'm going to focus on one thing to see how far I can take it. But for me, it's still the love of all the sports and that's what keeps me going. Um, if you only let me play uh, volleyball, it would kind of take the, the love of it out um, because I like learning new aspects and bringing this little thing from surfing to here or this or that. And um, that's the beauty of beach volleyball too, is like, it takes the elements you're outside. There's the elements that you're dealing with, but you're also dealing with the physicality and the, the strategy. And it's just a really well-rounded sport. Absolutely. Well, you know, kind of to piggyback on that, you know, the, the average fan who just gets to see you on the sand when the lights are on and it's game day for a big time match, they might not be aware of all of the things that you do leading up to that. All of the things that you do outside of the sand or off the sand to take care of your mind and body and spirit and so forth. So uh, give us a little peek behind the curtain of some of the things that you do to perform at your best when the lights do come on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's full-time job for sure. You know, it's kind of, I've kind of noticed that it's turned into a nine to five, just filling in each of the pieces that I think are necessary. And um, obviously taking care of your body's 24 hour, 24 seven job. But um, yeah, I mean, getting the, the reps, right. But going out there and getting the right reps, not just showing up, even if you have a coach, right. It's eventually if you get, enough to pay a coach at the professional level you have to make sure the coach understands what you're trying to work on personally what you where you're trying to go and then you have to work that in with your partner um and so for me it's a lot of effort goes into figuring out what i want to practice and what i want to focus on volleyball specifically and then the same thing goes for in the gym how how do i want my body to perform and then how do i how am i going to train it to make it perform that way I also hire someone to do that because it's really difficult to do and I, and I need, uh, I need help with it. So it's about putting together an entire team and getting the whole team on the same page. Um, I also have access to the national team, which is where I'm at right now. And, um, that's mostly recovery for me. So that's, you know, ice baths, saunas, uh, getting treatment at least two days a week, two or three days a week, depending on what my body needs. Um, it's really just a fluid thing where what do I need to, you know, I'm clear about my goal, what I'm trying to accomplish and what needs to be done to get there. Um, so I put a lot of pieces in place so that I can consistently hit my marks day to day so that throughout a year I've hit, you know, I've maximized my potential uh, within that year um, and, and, you know, scheduling all that out and having intention and putting thought and, uh, you know, pen to paper is, um, is a big deal, you know, journaling and all that stuff. And then 
think lastly, um, there's, you know, diet first, first of all, there's diet, but also the mental game. That's been something huge for me ever since I've discovered it. I've noticed that it works and I've fully bought into it. Uh, my team works once a week with a sports psychologist who's hired through the national team. Um, and that's just a huge part of our game. If you're going to, you have to train your body, your mind and your craft. And those are the three pillars for me. Just, just go for it, figure out what needs to be done. And I go for it. For sure. I, I love that you keep referencing team and, and all of the people that kind of support and help, uh, help you. Yeah. One of the things that I find so fascinating about beach volleyball, and of course I'm a basketball diehard, but aside from the game of basketball, beach volleyball is my favorite sport to watch. I just think it's such a beautiful spectator sport. Uh, because there's just so much action going on at all times. And one of the nuances that I find really interesting. So we've got, clearly we've got our individual sports, uh, golf, wrestling, boxing. And then we all obviously have our team sports that we think of traditionally basketball and football and baseball. But when you have a, a you know, a team that only consists of two people, when you're actually in the moment, it's a different dynamic. And I think that's fascinating. Talk a little bit about your leadership style or communication style, whereas you know, clearly if something's not going well, I mean, it's either your fault or it's your partner's fault. There's no one else to look at or, or blame or point, point to. So talk to me about that dynamic and how you like to lead and communicate when things are either going really well or things are struggling a little bit with the two of you. Yeah. I mean, I'm fully a student of leadership at all times. Uh, I've taken the back seat. I, I used to think that I was really good at and, and kind of specialized at being the soldier. So kind of tell me what to do and I'll do it really well. And then as I got older, I was like, uh, the people who I trust to lead me are the list is getting really low here. Might be time for me to step up and, and be that guy. And that's process. It, it takes a long time, but I think I'm doing a good job with them learning a lot. Leadership, I think comes down to stepping up to the plate and understanding that there's some sacrifices that need to be made, but Someone's going to do it, you know, uh, either nobody's going to do it uh, or somebody else might do it if you're lucky, but someone's got to step up to the plate and do it. Um, and when it comes to having two people on a team, both guys got to lead. We got to take turns, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's huge. But I think the biggest thing that I notice is in any sport, any team sport, right, is that people lose track of the fact that it's a team sport and your individual success and you doing well isn't really the goal. Yes, right. you did a great job of of preparing yourself. You played well, you put up the points, you did you did everything you could. But is that the goal or is the goal to win? So are you walking away from that game like I put up good points? Like what else do you want from me? It's like, yeah, you did, but your team lost. So what, what was the goal here? Right. And if you're walking away from the game, you know, you had a good game and your head's down about it because your team lost, that's, you're probably on the right path there. But I think a lot of people are like, what else could I have done? It's like, well, I don't know, maybe you sacrificed a few points and, or helped lead your teammate or, you know, did something else here. Maybe you would have won. And, and that you really have to like tell yourself like, oh yeah, like I guess scoring the points isn't good if I, didn't win. Like if we didn't win the game as a right. team, and it sounds so simple, but you really have to tell it, like remind yourself of that. Uh, and when I did that, I, I noticed I started having more team success and um, 
just started forgetting about the the numbers and how I play and whatnot. Because uh, you literally signed up for a team sport. So what game are you playing? You might be playing the wrong game, uh, but if you're on the on the court with other people, play that game. Yeah. Well. Yeah, absolutely. I love everything you just said there, because it's not only you showing up as your best self, but it's how much influence can you have over making sure your partner is playing as well as they can? And can you put them in a position to do what it is that they do really well? And, you know, one of the things I've always been fascinated by with with the beach volleyball culture is even if it's just for a one off tournament or a late call up to the Olympics, you may have to play with somebody brand new. And in a moment's notice, you got to get on the same page and, and you know, d- d- have kind of a strategy and a way to work together. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure for long stretches of the season, it's ideal to have the same partner and play with the same person so you can get in that groove. But, you know, I would imagine you've played with numerous players over the course of your beach volleyball career. So talk to me about that when you're kind of called in to work, play with somebody else and what that acclimation looks like, what kind of conversations you're having and, and how can you quickly adjust to what that person may need from you? Yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to ego, really being able to adjust to someone else and accept their system into yours, or maybe let, you're going to have to let some of your stuff go. Like, this is what works for me. I want this. Yeah, that works for you, but it doesn't work for the team. And you might, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. Hopefully your teammates willing to make sacrifices for you. And what you're going to find in between that is the synergy and and what it takes to win as a team. Um, But again, you have to have that clear intention of, okay, this is team, not individual. I can score the points or I can focus on my defense this week. Which one's going to get the team? You know, we have scorers. Maybe I focus on my defense, even though I love scoring points and, you know, stuff like that. Um, And yeah, for me getting the call up to the Olympics and playing with a new partner that I had never played with before, I just tried to come in as open-minded as possible. I came in and said, how can I, how can I adapt to this team? How can I adapt to your team? Because it was their coach as well. And uh, the reason it worked pretty dang well is because they responded to me with the same, the same thing. How can we help you? And now we're just building each other up and no one's pulling in the wrong direction. We're all just building each other up. Um, But it took that to put our egos aside and, and not worry about, I need to get my points. I need to side out. I need to do this or that. Actually, I ended up in the Olympics with the highest hitting percentage of the tournament. And, and I remember uh, uh, specifically Jake came in he said, first things first, I need to know your set. And I was like, well, okay, here's my set. This is exactly what I want if you want me to be specific about it. And then he just put it on the di- on that dime every time. And so it was, it was probably my best uh, siding out tournament I've had. Um, and that came straight from him coming into it, not being like, hit, just hit these sets. This is my team, like, figure it out. It was like, what do you need? What do you need? Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what it's all about. Adapting. Yes. Yeah, it takes both guys being willing to adapt, both guys having the humility to say, all right, I know what I do well, but I'm also here to help support you and be of service to you. How can we gel together? Uh, man, that's that's beautiful. You know, another thing that I think that really makes beach volleyball unique is the fact that, and, and I'll even speak to the tournament I saw you play in, you can have your first match at 9 a.m., and you keep playing all day and your last match might be at 9 p.m. I mean, it's not like the other traditional sports where you usually have one game in a day, you know, maybe two. I mean, you guys are playing multiple matches 
um, over the course of a day. And, and of course, being beach volleyball, uh, many times this is in blazing hot sun, uh, yeah. you know, where the elements come into play. Uh, so talk to me um, a little bit about kind of the mindset of not only being at your best at 9 a.m., but needing to be at your best for like 12 hours over the course of the day. Yeah. Oh, well, I think the reality is that you probably won't be at your best, especially because it's a tournament, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that it's not like one game a week kind of thing. So right. for us, it's like we're going to be beat up. But what you have to understand is that everyone's on a level playing field for the most part. Um, and we're all playing in the same environments and whatnot. Uh, so for me, I just look at it as a challenge. Like, okay, what's the, what's the variable today? And I know that, I know that it's going to suck for me. But bad for me, worse for them. That's what our coach tells us. Uh-huh, I love like, that. You know, it's freezing. Uh, our legs are burning. It's hot. Like we're really struggling, and like your body wants to go into a panic. You're like fully exhausted. We played in Cancun this year. We played three matches in one day, 95 degrees, full humidity. Third match, we're dehydrated. It ended at midnight. Um, but we kept saying that, hey, bad for us, worse for them. And, and that just took me back to my training. And I'm like, I'm, I'm prepared for this. I don't have to play my best ball. I just have to outlast them. So it's kind of just a matter of adapting and um, having an a open, positive mindset. Once you put that, plant that seed in your head, like, I don't play good in the cold or I don't play good in the heat, mm. your body will follow. What your mind thinks, your body will, will follow. So um, you just got to be careful where you take your mind and, and understand that your body can do pretty incredible things if you give it the opportunity to like i'm really bad in cold uh, my fingers go numb ever since i had the autoimmune thing my fingers go white when i'm in cold and for some reason once i start playing i forget about it and i get into the match and and the blood flow kind of comes back and my body just forgets that i'm cold um, but if i had never just committed to it just, you know if i had been like oh, i'm just not gonna play good in the cold i wouldn't have learned that you know um, but now I know that my body will adapt to whatever I, uh, my mind kind of sets it to. So I just play it that way. Yeah. Well, and, and that speaks to volumes to the role self-talk plays and that even if you don't enjoy playing in the cold, even if playing in the cold is much harder for you, it doesn't serve you by saying that over and over to yourself. I mean, yeah. either make the commitment to play or don't either one's fine, but once you've committed to playing, then you have to put that out of your mind and you have to make the best with what you've got right there uh, yeah. where you are. Yeah, we're playing. Observe it. It's more about observing. I'm playing in the cold today. Like, you know, kind of the mindset of it. Just That's just the fact of it. You know, it's not like, oh, no, I'm playing in the cold today. This For is going to sure. go wrong. This is going to go wrong. It's just, okay, it's cold. Okay, it's hot. Okay, it's this or that. Um, you know, sickness. And I'm tired today. I was sick last night. I threw up last night. Uh, we can have, we can paint these pictures in our head of how the day is going to go. I've had times where I legitimately was like, I can't play tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'll show up at the beach. I'll talk to the trainers, but I know I'm not going to be able to play. I get to the beach. They're like, yeah, you probably shouldn't play. And then I hit a ball. I'm like, I feel like I can. And then I play the first point telling my partner, like, I might not be able to go, like, you know, because I had, like, uh, dislocated ribs. Or, like, you know, I've had tons of stuff where you're like, I might not be able to go. End up playing the match. You end up winning the whole tournament. You, you don't know unless you just go for it and um, 
I think your body can always kind of surprise you. Last question for you. And it's kind of a two-parter. I mean, you're at the peak of your game right now. You're in phenomenal shape. You you've got the mind, body, and spirit all in alignment. How will you know when it's time to hang it up and to move to a new chapter in your life and to retire from playing this part one. And then part two is, have you given any thought to what your post playing career will look like and what you might want to do? Um, so number one, I don't think it'll be a set in stone. Like I know that this is right. I think I'll know somewhat after the fact, mm. uh, for me, I kind of, it's kind of an intuitive thing. I think I'm looking at my whole life as a whole, not just my career, but my wife, my yeah. kid, my family, you know, my community back home and here in California, I'm going to look at it as a whole and um, understand that I can trust my ability to adapt. So there's no right or wrong decision. I just need to make the, the decision based on the right things. For me, I, I think that's the path that I'll take. That's kind of the path with, uh, that I took this year making big, I, I've made a lot of big decisions, you know, partner changes or, or not changes like this year. Uh, I decided to stick with my partner just because it was just like deep down, I just wasn't done. Like I, I felt, you know, I couldn't even explain it, but I, I could feel that, that we had unfinished business. And, and sometimes that's the best thing to listen to is your intuition, just like that feeling. I'm much more of a feeling guy uh, than anything um, set in stone. But uh, what was the second part? When you do get to that point, wherever that may be, have you given thought to what you'll oh. do in your post-playing career? I mean, I know you've you've had some great experience broadcasting. You have an amazing podcast. So you're a tremendous interviewer. What, what what do you see yourself doing in the next chapter, whatever that may be? Yeah, I I think about it a lot, to be honest, and and that's kind of why I do all these extracurricular things. I'm trying to build my skill sets and even more so uh, understand what I'm good at and what I enjoy. And I'm hoping that as my career goes on, then it kind of becomes more clear in terms of what I can do. But no, I don't, I don't have anything specific. Business definitely um, has interested me. I'm, you know, reading books and looking into it because I just feel like there's so many similarities, you know, the, the com competition part, self-drive, uh, the teamwork part of it, the mental game and you know, making your body and mind perform at an optimal level. I think a lot of that translates over. Um, but also, do I want to coach? Do I want to pass the knowledge on and, and pay it forward kind of thing? I don't know. I'm, I'm more just observing uh, what I enjoy. And then I'm going to try to pursue that um, rather than, you know, try to get out and just get some job. Like I, I'm a, I need to enjoy myself. And I, uh, I think if I take the, the right amount of time to figure out what I'm good at and what I enjoy, then I'll find the right job for me. Yeah. Well, you know, what's so funny is, I mean, that worked for you the first time around is I see the distinct parallel when you were younger, you tried a variety of different sports, worked on a variety of different skill sets and volleyball won out. And now you're doing the same thing, whether you realize it or not, you're working on a variety of different skill sets in different areas. And, and over time that will become clear to you, which one do you want to pursue and, and even if that path ends up changing a few years later, you will have developed other skill sets and built other relationships that will allow you to make a pivot when that time comes. So, man, that, that is, that's a, a pretty poetic way, I think, to, to kind of end the conversation and uh, to take a look at your, your next chapter. Love it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited about it. I don't know when it's coming, but right now I'm, I'm pretty excited about uh, Paris Olympics and going for it in this next short three-year quad.
Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, uh, I've enjoyed uh, learning from you and learning more about you. I really enjoyed meeting you and watching you play and, and look forward to watching you play in person sometime this coming season. So always rooting for you, brother. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, it was a, it was a pleasure to meet you uh, this past summer and hang out. And uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch for sure. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for investing your time with us. I hope we helped you raise your game. And if you'd like to sustain your game as well, how's that for a brilliant transition? Check out my new book, Sustain Your Game, High Performance Keys to Manage Stress, Avoid Stagnation, and Beat Burnout. It's available for pre-order now and will launch worldwide on April 12th, 2022. For more information, check out sustainyourgamebook.com.